what we're going to do is, hold on, I'm just going to introduce you guys. So, um, yes, this is Itty Bitty J, and I have my guests here who are very um, familiar with the podcast. They're reoccurring guests, so I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves again. Go ahead. You want to go first? Okay, well, okay, my listening. Relationship. 
I agree. Yeah. Um, I picked up on that as well. And then after they basically um, grabbed their papers, like usual, somebody grabbed the wrong thing, you know, um, it's not there. So he goes and finds her room. Okay, let's look at that. How <laughs> in the hell did you find her dorm room? But for the movie's sake, let's just keep moving. He found her dorm room. She answers the door. She still has, like, this real resistance against him because she has a paper due or a project due that night, and she doesn't have time to, like, just even fool out loud with him. Then the roommate, she's being nice because she knows the guy's handsome, and I guess Melinda's probably, like, not a girl who gets out and found this as an opportunity for her to meet somebody and whatever. So... He read her paper, noticed that she w- she didn't have a good stance of what she was writing about because he took the class previously before her, and he's a science engineer. He's very smart, so he offers to tutor her. So they t- he tutors her, and, you know, she ends up failing anyway. She gets a D, still. <laughs> and, uh, you know... From that point, you know, you can tell that this is going to be like some love story, you know, what, what you think is going to be like that. So they move uh, from them being <laughs> in college or whatever, and I think, what, her mother dies? And she... Well, her mother died while she was in college. Yeah. So, yeah. And he becomes like her confidant because when she goes to the funeral, he comes there to, I guess, comfort her or whatever, which I found, you know, okay, that's, that's normal or whatever. But while he's there... Uh, immediately her sisters basically charge him and come at him and you know just kind of like embarrass him to a T then they bring her ex-boyfriend to I guess kind of strong arm him into seeing that she's probably not available but they look at him as a buster pretty much and me watching the movie I actually from the first time I watched it I I didn't like that I didn't understand like why why y'all doing it so what was y'all take on that scene when the sisters first meet Robert, and immediately they kind of push him off, or push him away. I definitely, um, I kind of took that, you know, like, they were kind of snobbish, I guess. In my, in my instinct, I was like, "Mm." and I felt bad for him in that moment, so (laughs) I empathized with him. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like they were being kind of snobbish, but I also felt like um, they were able to see, although they were judging him at first, they were able to see, I guess, characteristics in him at first that she couldn't see in him. Because, you know, oftentimes when we first meet somebody, we're like all in la-la land with them. Like, oh, there's nothing True. wrong with him. Like, you're the perfect person in the whole world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have the people who are around you that are looking at the situation, and they're like, mm that's not gonna go or just not gonna work like you need better you need to do better yeah okay i i agree with that too. because they also knew the money that you gotta understand they also knew the amount of money that the mom was gonna leave for her and then they also knew that he didn't have a job so they already kind of calculated in their head he's gonna be using her for her money that's very true yeah which they um you know the mother left a thirty um three hundred and fifty thousand dollar inheritance plus the house to Melinda and the sisters assumed that she might have told him about that, being that, you know, I guess she's the youngest and she may I don't know, she might talk a lot, but they assumed that he had already told um him about that and basically judged him from, from point one as being like a user. 
then after that scene uh he he basically leaves her to just kind of be with her family and grieve but she runs outside you know telling him like oh where are you going blah blah blah. and he's like i'm leaving you know i'm going home you need to be with your family she then um proceeds to offer him a ride home because she realized he used the bus to all the way get to get all the way there he was like no it's okay but she was she persisted to like just offer um, like a ride to him. So he allows her to take her home, realize he lives in his trailer. Um, I'm running through the scenes because I want to get to the gist of it. But um, so she realized he lives in his trailer or whatever, and it's kind of like very run down. And she then, you know, she's looking around like, oh, you live here, whatever, where's your parents? So then he reveals to her that he's actually kind of an orphan. He, his mother and his father had um, died, I believe. Or his father was in jail and his mother died. So well, his father's in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, he's just an orphan in the world, so he's been taking care of himself. But he's really smart. He has a scholarship to go to school, so he's basically just doing the best he can. From that point on, you know, she then uh, proceeds to lead him into the bedroom, and they have sex. Moving forward, at that point, you you can assume that they're in a relationship because she then, you know, they're, they're together all the time, she then offers to buy him a car, a $24,000 car. Um, I think it was a, a Mercedes or a Must, it was a Mustang. Not to mention she's driving. Go back to that part. Yeah, but we don't we don't debrief, we don't debrief all of it. We don't debrief all of it. Like I just want to get through the movie. Okay, okay. So yeah, so then she buys him this uh, Mustang, and then uh, you know at that point in the film they're calculating as much as she's spending. So. She don't hear from him for two weeks after that. She then, you know, she, unless she calls him. Then when she calls him, she assumed that he was lying or probably seeing somebody else. So she went with her gut feeling and her intuition and proceeded to see if he was cheating on her. When she got there, she was right. He was cheating on her. She then, you know, uh, explains that, you know, how she always had like this rage inside of her like this uncontrollable rage but you know and when it happened she can't stop it so she did something that was really irrational which is she drove her uh uh range rover into the uh trailer knocking it over he comes out with the lady she then busts the car that she bought him the lady runs off and she ends up getting uh busting her ovaries having to get a hysterectomy and now she can no longer have kids he was very apologetic. He showed up to the hospitals. The sister pushed him away because they felt like it was all his fault. After all she did for him, he bet she stepped out on him. She still took him back after that, despite her sister saying no. After that, you know, they get married. And I believe after they get married and everything, you know, he then loses his college scholarship. And she offers to pay, you know, for the rest of his tuition, which is about... Um, $73,000. Um, they living together in a mom house that, you know, that her mom left her. And, you know, at this point, you know, he's trying to, he has this battery invention that he's trying to get off off the ground, make money off of, and he's basically a dreamer. And she decides to just basically take on the responsibility of taking, uh, taking care of the bills. Um, she's working two jobs while he's basically... He works on and off, but his main focus is trying to get this battery up off the ground and get money from this his invention. As this is going on, I think they become married for like over two decades of her basically living the same life over and over and over over again. Then you know he he keeps asking for this the company that he's reaching out to is um what is it uh 
some shit. It's a company that he loved and, and really liked. I forgot what it was called. They won't let him get in because, you know, they don't believe in him as, as much. But fast forward 20 years later, they change bosses, the CEOs of the company, and the girl who's the boss happens to be the one that he stepped out on her with. Um, I know you lying. In college. So she then, you know, proceeds to, I guess, see him, you know, see his inventions or whatever, and decides to, first they basically blocked him. It's presumed him to be a psychopath. Crazy. Taraji, on the other hand, at this point, is bitter. She's a bitter black woman because she's she's tired. She's working uh, days in. You, you tired, know, sis. make ends meet and trying to support her husband. She believed in him the whole time. It's just she's been tired because she's been having to pick up the slack. Then, you know, uh, what happens next? Um, yeah, I, I believe he actually gave her a chance or whatever. Uh, well, the woman who owned the company um, gives Robert a chance. Had sets up this meeting, but while all of this is happening, you know, while he's trying to get the stuff off the ground, he and Melinda takes out a second mortgage on a house that her mother had already paid for. It was already paid off, but she puts out a second mortgage on a home, and by them doing that, that she has to then catch up on her bills even more. So when he gets this opportunity to get um, the executives to see his adventure for what it is, he was in a position where he's basically trying to survive to make ends meet because their, their house is about to foreclose. Their sisters found out that their house was about to foreclose on, and um, they forces Robert to get a job and work for them until he can basically pay off the debt that is owed on the house. In the middle of him being on that, uh, that job en route, he gets the call to meet with the executives to basically get an offer for his invention. He risked everything, and basically what was on the line, he had a a big client that the family had, and if he didn't make the deadline at 11.30, the family would lose that client or even their business. But he also had that double meeting with his, basically, where his dreams could have came true. He took a risk on the family, ignored them calling him. He didn't oh, hell no. Uh-uh. And they realized that he was not en route. His family uh, tells Taraji, Melinda, that this is what's going on. He's going to risk everything. They found a wallet, and her sisters then begin to tell him, like, you know, he's no good. He's cheating, da-da-da-da. He's always have been, you know, useless, blah-blah, you know, and now he's risking everything. Us, you, the family, our business, he doesn't care. He gets to the house trying to explain to her, like, this is it. I finally got the call. And, you know, she doesn't hear anything. The only thing she sees is that he's cheating on me. And this is with the same woman who caused me not to have, not to be able to have children. He goes to the meeting. They offer him, I believe, $80,000, but they would not allow him to get his rights to the invention. So he turned it down because he wanted his rights. So he comes back home in the midst of all the turmoil of her Taraji thinking that he's cheating on her and et cetera, et cetera. She doesn't hear him out, asks for a divorce. He basically was like, you know, he doesn't want it. You know, he was sad about it, but he wasn't cheating on her. She doesn't hear him out, still gets a divorce, listening to her sisters. He does at the divorce thing, you know, he was crying, you know, but she didn't want to hear it. She, He was done. He then became damn near homeless for about three weeks. In the midst of those three weeks, the woman who owned the company had been in touch with the executives and they wanted to offer him a better deal and you know nobody could get in touch with him but when she finally found him she found him in a homeless shelter she took him in and was able to get him a better deal and the company offered him uh 75 million dollars for his venture plus his rights so he came up on a check when he came up on that check he went back to go see taraji to basically tell her he's sorry for all that she put him through he put her through and 
Yeah, gave her, I believe, $10 million plus the keys back to her mother's home, and he pretty much moved on with his life and started to live the life that he described to her that they would always live, which is like a big house, boats, everything, kids, everything. From that point on, it goes downhill, she goes crazy. So we're going to stop there because we can, you know, if you haven't seen the movie or whatever, imagine just somebody who's very scorned, a woman scorned. So let's go back to the beginning. So after these breaks... I'm going to jump right back into the conversation. You guys just got an overview of the movie. Um, There's a lot of spoilers in there. So if you haven't saw it, oops. So yeah, after these uh, commercial breaks, um, yeah, we're going to dive right into it. Welcome back to Dear 20-something, and we are discussing the movie Acrimony, and we are going to pick up from where they just had sex after her mother's funeral, and we're going to basically have a discussion about all of the events that transpired after such. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. I think we discussed everything as far as them being in college. So let's fast forward to... Um, when they basically, at, after the funeral, he has sex with her. So, what do you guys take on that? Do you, because in her narrative, she said, you know, he took advantage of me while I was grieving. What kind of man would do that? And from point one, they described him as a con artist. So, do you guys feel like he took advantage of her in that moment? Um, what is your outlook on that? Um, I honestly don't think he took advantage of her because although she was grieving, she was in the right state of mind to either say, no, I don't want to have sex and I just want to hang out and you comfort me, or I do want to have sex. But I also know in the process of grieving, like you want somebody there next to you during the process. Okay. So you want somebody there next to you during the process, but I don't think that he took advantage of her. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think she well, she did lead him into the room, so he wasn't in that state of mind. She brought that into it. But it also brings something, um, it also reminds me about, like, vulnerability and what we do when we're vulnerable. And I think, like, when we first started, because that scene made me think about something, um, um, and just that scene and then everything kind of after there, like, her trying to love or her saying she would do anything at that moment to feel something and that allowed her to feel something with the passing of her mother but then from there on she proceeds to try to love someone while she was herself empty and you can't you can't love while you're empty that won't refill you and that was the quote I got (laughs) that I quoted (laughs) put quoted by Nadine on that one (laughs) but um yeah I think I quoted she said he torments me, but he gets to walk away free. I was everything he needed me to be. Hmm. What I find interesting about this movie, and like I said, I'm going to just be playing devil's advocate. Um, so we, we are watching the movie from Belinda's, you know, uh, point of view. So it's her narration, and we all know that with any story, there's three sides. There's your truth, his truth, and God's truth. So we really are listening to her narrate from her point of view of what she saw and what she experienced. And what I like, there's an insight with that, you know, there can be two people experiencing, you know, the same thing but have 
uh, with having the same moment but experience different things. You know, you have a different point of view. And that doesn't make, you know, what you felt um, less right or accurate than what somebody else experienced, even if it doesn't align with your truth. So I found that interesting. And then as I was watching it and thinking about, you know, is this like, you know, when you first watch it, it's like, damn, you know, I can feel her. And I feel like all women can understand Melinda as far as the heartbreak, feeling used, or anything like that. And if you have not, that just means you have never loved or you have never been heartbroken. And I think the narrative of the story is more so about someone not being able to let go versus other than... uh, just the angry black woman. I think it's highlighting someone not able being uh, not being able to let go, as well as mental illness. Because at first, you know, you're thinking. Because when I was first watching this, and I, and I was arguing with my dad about it, and he's like, "She's crazy. She's crazy." And that, and for me, my stance was, "She went crazy. She didn't start off that way." You know, things led up to her become, you know, snapping. But in the beginning, when the movie starts off, she's in the courtroom. And they uh, sentence her to seek anger management. And then, you know, when she's in the counseling office, she's narrating saying, you know, even from the point where she runs her car into the RV, um, there's something deep inside her that she could never truly control. And that, that, that moral compass or that rationale that we all have, um, she doesn't have that. You know, everybody thinks of doing something completely crazy, but there's that voice in your head, that light that says, you know what, I don't want to go to jail, or, you know, I don't want to look stupid, or whatever, so you stop yourself, but she doesn't have that moral rationale. She doesn't, she doesn't have control of that. Yeah. Just from experience of working with people who have a mental illness, that is the difference. I always ask this all the time, like, uh, what's the difference between me and this person? Like, we both would have thought to do the same thing, but the difference is with a person with a mental illness is that they will actually follow through with it and have no remorse afterwards for what they did. Like how you just mentioned, I can think about this person got me mad, let me kill them. Like, I could think I have the thoughts play in my head over and over again, but my conscience will tell me, okay, no, don't do this. The person with a mental illness who doesn't have that will just go ahead and do it. I agree. So let's fast forward to, I know Nadine, you wanted to talk about um, when she purchased the car. She spent $35,000 on his Mustang. So what was the point that you wanted to make? Um, 20, I think it was 25. I think it was 25. Yeah, but like with that, yeah, like with. Yo, are you dumb? They were in the. Yeah. When they were um, in the trailer, you know, he brought it up in such a way like, okay, I have you. Basically, this is how he positioned it. I have you to this point where, one, I'm the one sole person that you are ready to, you you know, you open up to, you give everything to. You're closing yourself out from your sisters already. I've already positioned you. And this is the thing about, like, mental health and relationships and how they play such a key role. Because I was there before myself where... You know, you you think you're in love, so you close yourself off from all your from all other people. Or this person makes you feel like, oh, you need more of me, and you fill yourself with so much of them. And then at this point, where you believe in them and you believe in their dreams, and he's sitting there telling you, what if they call? What if they call me? And when they call, I gotta go right there for this opportunity that will open our lives and give you the life you want. But I don't even have a car to get there. And you, as a woman, you're thinking this is, you know, this is my man, like, this is everything, this is all I have, because that 
that at that moment it feels like it because you cut off your sisters they're leaving you he's the only one there you've quit school now you've solely invested yourself into this man and here he is saying this is the one thing that can give us the life we want is if i have a car to be able to get to where i need to be and he didn't ask her say will you buy me a car but he said what if i can't even get there to go show these people my invention to to for this door to open in my life and as a woman you almost feel obligated at that point to make this work for him so of course she has she was like you know what i got it i'm gonna go give it and like she said he had a way of not asking you but kind of implying it and then you take on that oh he needs and i have to provide if i have it and that's where I think a lot of things are different with men and women, too, because like I was telling you, um, Jessica, I'm learning that men are very selfish creatures. And so, like, they're, you know, they may not be selfish in the same ways. In his way, he wasn't completely selfish, but he was selfish in, in only focusing on his dreams and not putting anything into that marriage. You know what I'm saying? And so she felt so obligated and so stuck by his side. And so this is all I have. But yeah, of course, she went and bought him that car. She had it. So, yeah, that was was huge for me. I think it touched on an interesting point that I do want to cover. Okay, so from, we see just from the beginning um, that Robert is a dreamer. And a dreamer basically only focuses on one thing, and they believe that if they focus on this one thing and it and it, they make it happen, from that point on, their lives will change. So for him, he's always been a dreamer, and she knew that. But from the time that they had sex, you know, from that mo- moment on, we don't know if they were exclusive. And I think as women, we fall to the fault of thinking when we give our bodies to somebody at that point, I'm yours, you're only mine. I feel like women do that all the time. They use sex as a way to basically claim what's theirs. So we don't know if they were exclusive, right? We don't know that. But from her point of view, they were, we're listening from her point of view. He never, you know, he never said that. And I was, when I was reviewing everything, a lot of men did not like this movie. Bro. And they're uh, basically in terms oh, no. of because, <laughs> Um, it, it, it depicts a man, especially black men, as being worthless. Uh, you know, they're, they're never seen as humane. You know, they're always sorry, broken, or like they're just trying to run down on women. So men didn't like this film from that point of view. And I think, too, like you said, he never asked her for anything that she offered. But as women, we do have that na- that nurturing nature about us to just give when we love. But again, he never asked And we've had that conversation. Yeah. We've had that conversation several times. And, and he could have no, been, been expressing how he felt. And not to mention... She spent $24,000 on a car, a Mustang that was better than his. If you're going to spend money on it, why not do something cheaper? Yeah. Yeah. Something way cheaper. <laughs> and from, from that point on, yeah. Melinda is a pushover, and she's very passive in her nature. She's very mm-hmm. passive. At no point in the movie did he ever ask her for any of the things that she'd done for him. She always offered and overcompensated. So we have to look at both sides of that, too. And for Melinda, you know, she does come off as, like, you know, off. You know, while she's talking about she's a little off, you know? So I think that's an important um, point of view that you gave there. But in the beginning, like, 
she was very like very what's the word in the beginning it felt like she was very you know strong like i don't really need you i don't and it wasn't until her mother passed that that really broke her down and then she almost became this person who then he molded her into me because in the beginning she, she she came off as a strong black woman i don't need you i got my own car i got my own house you know i'm not really worried about you i'm doing my thing and then at that point like when she was that broken and she was that far down that's when he was able to scoop in you know what i'm saying and really just take advantage of that because before she still was interested but she kind of kept him abreast in in a certain way not so, really not really because after they tutored like she was in she was hooked after that tutoring thing. she was but i don't feel like she was she wasn't as given she was more like you know what i'm saying like any of us would be we're interested but we're not fin- i'm not finna go buy you a car <laughs> just because you tutor me and matt you know what i'm saying like it wasn't i don't think it was that she wasn't as invested at that point as she was after her mother passed yeah, and she also didn't have sex with him at that point, too. So, you know, when you have sex with somebody, um, that she lost her virginity to him. Yes, she lost her virginity to him. So she pretty much, in her eyes, gave him everything. You know, that first person we give our virginity to, we're like, I done gave you everything at this point. Okay. And I so that being a thing, because at first I was thinking that, too. Um, but I think even, like, as the movie goes on, you know, I, I think it takes an interesting turn because the whole time we're listening to Melinda narrate, but I feel like the most complex character is Robert. You know, he was actually, a, he was a sorry man, but he was a good man. You know, he from the time when she basically had that, in, that incident of, like, she her not being able to have kids, he spent the rest of his life making up to her. He didn't get a job like she wanted to, but that's what I mean by sorry. Like, he could have did more, but he spent the rest of his life making up to her for that incident. And from that point on, you know, she was a passive person where she, you know, she took anything as what he said, I got to rescue you. I have to save you. I have to do this. You know, so we have to take note of that. Okay, so would you say she have a control issue? Huh? Would you say she have a controlling problem? Like, she, she is, she likes to be... I think, for the most part, on Nadine's side, where where she was saying, you know, um, she felt like, you know, she was the only, you know, she didn't have nobody else, so this is what she wanted. Like he made her feel whole, so she was willing to do anything to keep that wholeness within her because without it, she felt empty, you know, regardless of what he was doing to her. And from that on, all that he was able to give her was his promises, his dreams, you know of what, you know, what he wanted to do when his inventions, uh, his invention got off the ground. So she basically is, like, from what I got, when I was looking at her perspective, she felt, um, you know, taken advantage of. She became very um, mean-spirited and angry. And uh, she just, uh, basically, I felt like, you know, she was making things up in her head. And with the help of her sisters, I feel like a lot of times with women, you know, um, we we get a small inch of something and then we get on the bandwagon of like supporting my girl oh no this can't be it and then we start to talk to you about what you should do about your situation and her sisters played a lot of that from point one you know when they first met him they didn't like him and then the incident happened that made it worse and then they like you said rose they saw him for who he was way before she did which was He's sorry. He's not going to help you out. And, you know, he's basically taking advantage of you and all that you have to offer, you know. 
And so she became like, you know, as the more things started happening, she started to like kind of, you know, carry that baggage that they was putting on her and as well as what he was doing because he wasn't helping her. She was tired, she was doing what she had to do, you know. Um and after twenty years she was bitter. Like yeah. and I can't blame yeah. her. Like twenty years, I done took care of you, I done fed you, I done did this and and I feel like communication plays such a key role. And you notice that once they move to that twenty year mark, you see less communication between them in the mornings. They don't speak. They walk past each other. She wakes up. They'll stand next to each other. They don't kiss. They don't. There's nothing there. And it's like, you know, she's bitter at that point because he's giving her nothing. He's focusing everything into this. And then she's killing herself to take care of this man. And, yeah, that will make me bitter, too, because I done been here this long. I can't have kids. You all I got. <laughs> you know, my family, they, they wishy-washy. Like, and not to mention, after the first it seems year, like they awesome. became in debt after the car, uh, the tuition, uh, and also his uh, electrical battery that he was trying to charge caught, damaged the house, and they had to spend over $37,000 in repairs, and that basically put them in a hole, which is why she was working so hard to make ends meet while he was still doing his dream or whatever, calling the company every day. Um, I feel like, you know, she was also speaking on how, um, you know, she was actually the victim in all of this. You know, women sometimes have... I feel like in most movies, women happen to be, like, viewed as the damsel in distress. You know, she was the one who was being um, dealt wrongfully. And, you know, he was just using her because throughout the film, he was described as a con artist. You know, he was basically conning her. But on the flip side, you know, her, her, this is her character. You know, she's a pushover. She became angry, bitter, whatever, wasted her years and everything. And, you know, I believe from, like, her perspective, she felt stuck. You know, you know, I wasted my best years. But let me ask you guys this. She paid his way through college. They both was in college together. Did she ever graduate? No, she didn't. She dropped out. <laughs> She dropped out of college. She literally, she literally put her whole life on hold for this man. To live his life. And she never graduated college. She, you know, like I said, well, like we've been mentioning, like work enslaved so that she could give him everything, like literally everything. She never worked was able to, I guess, see in her mind that she needed to focus on herself, too. Like, he was focusing on his dreams. She should have been focusing on her dreams, too. Like, it takes two to make a relationship work, and although, I mean, it's, it almost seems like they both had different dreams for the relationship. Like, although he was promising on her all these good things, they both had two different perspectives of the relationship. Like, she wanted to get cheap. I don't even think she had a dream. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think she, like, ever mentioned having her own dream for what she wanted she was so invested in his she was so invested in him and it's just like in a sense like if she wasn't and so invested in him she could have found an opportunity to find herself as a woman find herself um find what she likes to do graduate college kind of see what kind of career that you want to go into but she didn't um, they both have, she wanted him to find a job. He couldn't work because he never told her about the, him being in jail before. So he was a felon and couldn't get a job. Which she didn't um, disclose to her after they were married. And in this moment, we realized that 
losing yourself and someone is actually a detriment to your own happiness and then we further discuss how it can play out into your lifestyle and how you live moving forward interesting what you said you know she didn't have a dream and she was focusing on him Robert was also broken you know he was broken down bad you know and just trying to make ends meet no parents his life was a struggle whatever and I think he saw in her another broken person to put his trust in too so I don't want to sit on the side of thinking that Melinda was just all broken on her own because he was a broken individual too which they tried to find each other and I think what I wrote down somewhere what did I write um was it okay yeah i wrote when you're trying to find happiness you know everybody believes that love is supposed to be this joyous and pure you know pure feeling of just being beautiful and endless and just having that peace of wholeness about you but honestly if you think about love love is everything but happiness you know love is a sacrifice you know there's a lot of time where love causes you to don't even think about the happiness, but do what you have to do because you love this person, which causes you pain. It causes hurt. It does cause bitterness. It causes jealousy. And I believe the idea of love is what makes us do whatever, you know, we want to do. But you think about stories like Romeo and Juliet. You know, in the end, they risk everything for their happiness and they die, you know. Um, you know, you have to kill yourself and do stuff like that. And most times, love stories end tragically. You know, something happens, you know, where you're putting all of your rationale on the line because you believe in this idealistic type of love where it's just pure happiness. But love is truly a sacrifice. Okay, so is that really love, though? From my perspective, is it really love that I feel like I have to sacrifice everything for this person? Is that really love if I don't? Melinda had a different idea of love than 
you know, Robert had. But I don't think, per se, that Robert didn't love her. I don't think he didn't love her. I think he loved her. And he, he didn't cheat on her. He just didn't, didn't have a spare. So there was no proper communication. He didn't tell her, hey, the woman that I had, you know, messed with back in college, she's, on, she's you know, in charge of this company now. I need her help. I reached out to her. You know, we had coffee, but I couldn't meet her on the person. Had he communicated? And it's like, these things, that's, I think, where love takes the work. If you don't put the work in, then you won't get the results. So maybe she had, she would have been more understanding or she would not have flipped out where her sisters couldn't have gotten to her. Had he told her that in the beginning, had he at least told her what was going on. But you can't live your life and I live my life and then we try and cohabitate and expect for it not to erupt. Like, you can't, we can't do that. I think that... Yeah, I understand it's free to, like, for them to, to not... Well, I understand that it does take work. But I also understand, like, you can't put your life... I don't know. I just feel some type of way about putting my life on hold for somebody else. Like, I feel like... I have to love myself, and I'm not saying that you live your life and I live my life, and you know we don't communicate. Or we, I mean, I understand we need to communicate. We need to work hard for this relationship to grow. But I can't put my life on like the way that she did. I can't allow. I can't put my life on hold. Like I can't put my dreams aside for me to just build yours. Like I understand if we both absolutely are grinding together. I mean, we're gonna do the, everything together. Like I feel like. If I was in her shoes, I'd be like, yeah, heck yeah, they use that, use that connect. Use that connect to get us in there. If we in this together. And I but think, in her but she didn't know. But that's, no. what my, that's what um, my father perspective was. Because I was asking, you know, I was basically like, you know, you know, she put her life on hold. She was doing this, that, and the third. He got a degree and everything, blah, blah. And he was like, well, why didn't she take advantage of her opportunities herself? Why didn't she take advantage of her opportunity? And, like, looking back and, like, just thinking of, like, um, the movie itself, I, I just believe the difference between them two is this. They both loved each other, but Melinda Love was blind and Robert was not. You know, he was able to love his dreams in her at the same time. You know, and he was passionate enough to believe in himself enough to say, hey, stick, stick in there with me, I'm still going to pursue this. Her, on the other hand, she relied solely on his happiness to make her happy. Then you can't do that. I think um, Will Smith and Jada Smith had well yeah will and jada they had something will said he was like you know it got to a point in my marriage where i had to tell jada i'm not in control of your happiness i Mm -hmm. i don't like i can't make you happy and that was a realization he was like he had to tell her you need to go find a way to be happy because i can't make you happy and that's the truth like i gotta be happy without you (laughs) i gotta be happy when you're here when you're not here i need to be happy within myself before i can even say i'm happy or in love with this person yeah. And that and that's so good because that comes from your self-love because you can't put the expectation of somebody else to make you happy. That comes from you. Like you have to, I was reading, it's so funny, I've been reading this book on self-love and it states that how, you know, how when a husband and wife, somebody comes home and they're angry and the other person's not angry, they were having a good day. Then all of a sudden you, you're talking about your day, you're throwing everything about your day on this other person, which causes like a, a reaction. So now this person is in a negative mindset because you're in a negative mindset. But really, you should have checked yourself before you came in the door. Like, before you came in the door, 
Like, it's good to say, hey, like, babe, I had a bad day. But he's not in charge of your happiness to turn your day around to make it better. You go find a way to make your day better. Then you come back and say, hey, babe, I had a bad day, but this is what I did afterwards. And, you know, I'm feeling good now. Because now you're bringing on that that negativity in the home, which causes, like, a chain reaction of maybe even going into argument. When it could have been prevented. I've been in a situation like that myself where I could be having the best day in the world and as soon as this person comes around me, you know, their aura was just like, uh, you know, just, uh, you could just feel it. And this person you down. And I had, I had to experience journeys like you were saying, Rose, to the point where they, their emotions allowed me to become a negative individual in that moment with them. And then, you know, I, and I can let that harbor within me. But then on the flip side, I was able to, as I was going on my journey, when something like that happened, you know, I think for a split moment, you know, I would be in that moment with them. And then I decided, you know, no, like, I'm not finna, I'm not finna feel this way. Like, I was happy before all of this. I'm not finna continue my day like this. And then I, you know, I had to cheer myself back up to my happy nature. So I can definitely relate to what you were saying because sometimes, you know, people can influence you without them even trying. And when there's negativity in there, it can become very contagious. Just like a smile can make somebody smile and be happy as well. Your energies that you put out there, you know, energies don't just disappear. They basically evolve or transfer over to something or somebody else. So I think that was a good point you made as well. So let me pause this so I can get... So for me, um, I hope you guys are evaluating not only the movie and all of its symbolism, but as well as how it relates to relationships that you are currently dealing with, as well as life occurrences. And this was a very deep conversation that me and the ladies were having, um, which I feel like it gives a lot of insight on not only the black community, but as well as irrational traits of thinking or patterns so after these commercial breaks we're going to continue to further the conversation this movie had a lot of symbolism messages perspectives that you can dive into and it really challenges you to really dig deep within yourselves because I feel like the first time I watched this I was very objective. I was very more so on the woman's side of thinking like, yeah, I completely understand where Melinda's character is coming from or Taraji's uh, character is coming from. Um, You know, I was there. I've had a lot of discussions with my father about this. And, you know, we were at a disagreement with this because when I first watched it, I was just like, yeah, like, you know, there's no amount of money that can make up for the time that I spent for your dream. But watching it again and doing further research, it kind of, like, gave me a broader uh, perspective. And, yeah, that's what I wanted to dive into. So, upon this podcast, I'm playing devil's advocate. So, yeah, here we go. Thank you guys for listening. This is Itty Bitty J, and you're listening to Dear 20-something. So welcome back to Dear 20-something. It's your girl, Itty Bitty J. We're diving deep into the movie Acrimony. And within this segment, we're diving deep into generational wealth, which I feel very confident about and very proud that Tyler Perry put this in his film. And he sends subliminals, but it's very, I feel, apparent as far as like what we need to do as a community. 
And as we dive deeper into the conversation, it goes on to the left, the right, you know, as far as like how women view things, as well as I give my objective opinion on how, you know, the movie continues to send messages that we can value and relate to our personal lives. So let's dive deep into it, you guys. Welcome back to Dear 20 Something. Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and discuss from the point where he actually did um, become, you know, this the man that he always dreamt of being, which the company offered him $75 million plus the rights to his contract, which I feel a moment is very important because the first time when they offered him, I believe they offered him, uh, what did they offer him? They offered him, I forgot. I think it was like eighty thousand. I think it was like eight hundred thousand. Yeah, eight hundred thousand. But and he was like, nah, it's right worth his, more than uh, that. And they were just gonna basically make profit. He believed in himself so much, decided not to do that despite all the turmoil back home. You know, which I thought was very important that Tyler Perry put in the film, which is very important to the black community about generational wealth and ownership. You know, we have to start owning the things that we <laughs> we like create because these companies will take advantage of that knowing they believe in you but they're gonna lowball you because they don't think that you are educated enough to try to get your ownership so i thought that was really important that tyler perry put that because for us that's we don't have um like the other side of the you know world have generational wealth and it starts with ownership your children will be able to profit off this their children and it's going to continue to go on to the point where you can put back into the community because Tyler Perry actually does that you know with his people so I, I like that he put that in there so yeah go back again go ahead yeah so he becomes the man so yeah um yeah. I so anyway what you were saying he becomes the guy um the woman that ultimately helped him to get to that point um, he, he ends up dating her after his divorce. The divorce was over. Everything was over. And you see two different, you see kind of a paradox of black women. You see the black woman or, you know, some of our friends maybe went to high school. We, they got married out of high school, had the same husband, you know, for years. And they, they did the whole stay-at-home mom era or whatever, you know, their story was. And then you see the other side of the spectrum where it's the single black woman, older, you know, more mature. She's focused on her career for all of these years. She hasn't really dated, you know, or if she has dated, nothing's been serious. And so, at this point now, she may be, she's probably their age. So, she's, what, 30s, almost 40? And now she's like, I need to settle down. And here you are with the option of you really don't have that many single men unmarried. So, hey, you had, you know, the person you know meeting was someone that was divorced or, you know, someone that had kids or whatever. But then that, at the end of the day, he rose to her, you know, at that point, he had become who he needed to be to rise to her level. And it's like, maybe, it, which really made me think, you know, maybe dating or like pursuing things like that so young, it's okay to grow together. But sometimes you got to let people build themselves up to meet you at your level. Like you can't stoop down at their level. <laughs> at first because they're not who they need to be yet and how can you be that person for me when you're not even who you need to be for you yet you know so that kind of brought that to life for me can anyone live with her as a kid that's not for me to decide that's for someone who decides to live with me to decide not for me But are you willing to compromise within a relationship? To compromise? What is compromising? Compromising for what? 
Compromising for what reason? To compromise for what? To compromise. What is compromise? If a man came into your life, wouldn't you want to compromise? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> a man comes into my life and I have to compromise? You must think about that one again. <laughs> into my life and you have to compromise for what? For what? For what? A relationship is a relationship that has to be earned, not to compromise for. And I love relationships. I think they're fantastic. They're wonderful. I think they're great. I think there's nothing in the world more beautiful than falling in love. But falling in love for the right reason falling in love for the right purpose falling in love falling in love when you fall in love what is that to compromise about isn't love a union between two people or does Ursa fall in love with herself I think if you were to think about it in terms of analyzing, yes, I fall in love with myself and I want someone to share it with me.
courage and was always able to move forward and move on. He was courageous, and I believe Melinda was more in the air nature to go after the unknown because she was so familiar with what she had. She was willing to do that, but he was more able to move forward. And the woman helped him realize, you know. And that's because he had, like, perspective. Like, he had something he was aiming for, and that's so important. Like, when you have something, a goal, something you're aiming for, it doesn't matter how many hurdles you got to jump over. If that's going to get you where you need to be, you're going to keep, you know, seeing that. That's going to be your only focus. That's going to drive you every day. And she didn't have that. Melinda didn't. All she had was Robert's hopes and dreams. Yeah. So even though that wasn't her vision, you know. So I want to welcome you guys back to Dear 20 Something and we are having a very in-depth conversation about the movie Anchormony and if you know Anchormony as far as its definition it goes into the definition of being angry or uh, foster into resentment animosity hostility and ill feelings and we dive really deep into it so we're going to continue the conversation as far as like our interpretations and how it relates to the angry black women narrative as well as how we personalize it into our own personal events so stay tuned you guys thank you for listening to dear 20 something my guests are nadine and rosemond and they have very interesting perspectives on what happened within the movie was encouraged and was always able to move forward and move on he was courageous and i believe melinda was more in the scared nature to go after the unknown because she was so familiar with what she had she was willing to do that but he was more able to move forward and the woman helped him realize you know and that's because he had like perspective like he had something he was aiming for and that's so important like when you have something a goal something you're aiming for it doesn't matter how many hurdles you got to jump over if that's gonna get you where you need to be you're gonna keep you know seeing that that's gonna be your only focus that's gonna drive you every day and she didn't have that melinda didn't all she had was robert's hopes and dreams yeah. So even though that wasn't her vision, you know, so of course every day she wakes up, she's looking at him angry, mad because you done promised me these dreams. I'm depending on these dreams and they ain't come yet, you know? Yeah. She just got stuck in his world and and she, that's yeah. all she knew, you know? That's, that's all she knew. And I think it's really valuable for people to kind of explore other people and other options upon their growth because... You don't know what you like if you only had one thing, you know, and it, and it's so common to just get used to what is familiar. Like, I feel like a lot of women, even men, be in abusive uh, relationships, whether they be emotional, physical, um, whatever, they get so used because they're so afraid or feel like, you know, there's, you know, it can't get no worse than this, or I don't want to invest any more time in somebody who's going to do me even, you know, worse than what I'm dealing with now. So I think I can just yeah. stay here a little bit while longer or whatever, which is never the case. Like you said, Robert was more of a free-spirited person. He had goals. He had ambitions. And as a dreamer, you know, you are willing to hear so many no's before you, just, you know, before you hear a yes. So you're able to look for the... Uh, I guess the longevity and everything versus the right now. So I think that was the difference too. What, what was your take on like after he became um, the man Rose and how that all played out? Well, she, 
when he became the man, I felt like, um, well, the amount of money that he offered her back, like he, he was, like you said, I guess, generous when they said that in the movie. He was generous with the offer that he gave her. But I think he was so biased, I guess, in the sense that when he ended up being with the other woman from Taraji's perspective, the fact that I gave you everything and then now everything that you promised me, you're literally giving to somebody else. Like everything that I gave to you, you're giving to somebody else. And everything that you gave to you, you're giving to somebody else. But you gave Taraji enough money to go buy her own boat, baby. No, that's why I was like, what you I know. He was generous, more than generous. Like, he could have, at that moment, you know, spent her life over on her new man, mm-hmm. you know, start a new going back to school, like her college degree. Um, he could have taken that opportunity to just focus on herself and not be so dwelled <laughs> on him because she started to become so obsessed with him afterwards. Like, you yeah. see her in the room, she, was, she closed herself off in the room to just... Um, basically, like, watch them on social media and make, you know, whatever fake accounts to make send threat their way to the wife. Um, and she just started becoming so obsessed with it, but I could see both sides. I see how she could have turned her life around and just focus on herself, but I also see the obsession that is so easy, it's so easy on that obsession. Like, you know, so I personally had the, I guess, had a little taste of it these past few months where I stopped talking to somebody and all of a sudden, like even till last night, I was kind of in tears because I'm seeing that literally the date ideas that I had, he's doing with her photo shoots, he's doing with her. And it's like, where did this girl come from when the whole time you were with me, it was a struggle. But now you're with her and mm-hmm. it's all on the media and it's all everything that you want it to be. And so I told myself, okay, blocking him um, like through phone wasn't enough. So I had to block him on social media now so that I won't yeah. you know, be able to. But because I don't want to be in that negative headspace. I don't want to be in that. I don't want to be obsessed. And just being able to go back and watch this movie um, definitely just gave me life, to be honest, because I was able to see all these different perspectives and then see that I could be, I can choose to be free of this. I don't have to choose to be obsessed. I don't have to choose to fall into this this negative emotion or even, like, falling into depression because of that. Um, and so I see different perspectives in that. Like, the judge, the judge said he didn't have to give her anything. That's what the judge said, and I was like, "Cause she didn't, crazy. she didn't have, he didn't have anything." Technically, yeah, and she um, didn't. There was no prenup. No, that's right because you know he was very generous. Even after everything happened, their divorce and everything, he went back and gave her ten million dollars plus the house, her mother's house back, and you know. Even before he was able to get a word out of his mouth, she was already saying, what, did somebody give you this suit to clean yourself up so you can please me? We're never getting back together. You know, what? what is this? You know, she was already standoffish, not knowing that this man was actually here to just say, here, this is what I owed you. I thank you for all the, the years that you invested in my dream. And, you know, here's your mother's house. From that point on, she became angry at her sisters for listening to them. And let's, let's think about that. 
you have to be careful, you know, who you take advice from most of the time. Because look at their situation. Their men were in no position, you know, for her to judge Robert in. You know, their men, you know, and for before they were married, they was all living in that same house. So what? And then, did the mother not leave them any money? Because it was... <laughs> no, she did. Yeah. She left all of their money. It doesn't work that way. So I think it, they went and started a business with their money. Oh, they went and started a like, business uh, with it. Yeah. They was looking struggling yeah. while she was over here living lavish and spending $4,000 on somebody's time. So, but yeah, so after that too, I think, you know, more or less, you know, he gave her, out of, you know, out of the love and can, you know, apologize for her, you know, having to spend her life just for him to get his dream off the ground. But, you know, I don't, I went, you know, at first when I was watching, I was just like, you know what, no amount of money in this world can give me my time back. You know, I spent all this time, and now here I am, a middle-aged woman, you know, with barely, you know, I don't have a college degree. I've just been a working woman, an office uh, assistant for all these years, invested in you. Now I don't even know how to date because you're the only man I've ever been with. So I'm angry, I'm bitter, which she has a right to be. But... I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, and I would say, too, you know, from her point of view, you gave this woman everything that was mine. You know, everything that you, everything that I believed in you for, you gave it to her. And I would be angry, too. And at first, when I was watching this and I was talking to my dad about it, I was like, uh-uh, you know, no no amount of money. I would do the same thing that she did. He was like, you know, you crazy, you're going to kill somebody. But looking back at this, you know, I don't, I don't believe, you know. Think about this. He was describing to the life that he and she was going to live together. But mainly, this was his dream. So he was living out his dream. It just yeah. so happened that this woman, that woman was his spouse, you know. So he didn't give her everything that he promised yeah. to Raji. He was living his dream that he always dreamed for himself. She just happened to be the person to share it with him. So I just think that you have to think about that perspective, too. Because that's a heavy statement right there, too. That's, I know. That's, that's a heavy right statement. <laughs> but, <laughs> when you live in somebody else's dream? Girl. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was it's his dream, you know, and he li- he's he's living everything that he described to her. Because I'm pretty sure before before he even met Melinda, when they took that stroll on the park, he pointed to the place that he always wanted to live in, and that he knew. Yeah, huh? He knew. Exactly. So I think she became like you were saying, Rose just kind of seeing it and just seeing it from her, like, I wasted my whole life, you know, just because I believed in you. And now that, you know, listening to some people who wasn't even happy in their own situation, I put my happiness, you know, to the side because I believed that you was this trifling-ass man, you know, despite everything that I had to do because you wasn't doing nothing for me. But here is the same woman who I caught you with 20 years ago, and honestly, I have to take a moment. Exactly. Do you think... Exactly. That she would have reacted that way had it been a different woman. Because I believe that her I think so. I think she. Was. I believe her assumption came from this whole time you might have been cheating on me. Because how is it, you know? Because she was just like, because he was like, I just had coffee with her. He was just like the same woman that I caught you with. You tell him you just had coffee with her, you know? So she could have been believing the whole twenty years they had something going on behind her back. Yeah. yeah. That, do you think or that she being in that mental reaction? state? I think, I think, well, maybe because not because she had, she had the million, she had about everything she wanted. Yeah, yeah, but I just yeah. think when she saw I think her, that, that's probably her. I, that's what I'm saying. For, because as a woman thinking logically, just on a woman's side, you know, you know, people, you get cheated on 
all the time and they're able to pick up the pieces or stay in that situation. I think it was a dumb deal because it was the same woman. When they, when she realized it was that same woman, she was like, no, I'm done. She didn't even give him a chance to explain himself after that. I don't want to hear it. I'm done. Because at that point, everything that we've been through and this same woman who caused us trouble and pain in the past is the, the reoccurring 20 years later and you put my whole family business on the line for her, I, I don't know if she would have reacted the same had it been a different woman. Yeah, because I don't she think she went as extreme. She was a pushover, yeah. you know? So I believe yeah. she would have continued to be with him. You know, if it was just a whole, if it was just a cheating situation, she would have stayed with him. I, I believe that. I do. I think so. But, yeah, yeah it's the same. Yeah. The fact that it was the same woman, yeah, it definitely played a huge role. The fact that it was the same woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I, think, and I think how easy it is to get in that mindset. Like, I could see how easy it is. That's why I'm like, uh... I'm seeing it from our perspective. I can see how easy you know, it is to move on and how easy it is to freaking be stuck. Yeah. I had found myself the other day, like, um, like adding this girl because, like, I had known she had dealings with the dude that, you know, I was seeing. So I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, so I'm like, I can't be this. Like, I just, and I ended up, like, I added her, and I was like, nah, because I knew they were talking, I'm like, they're still probably talking, you know, and it's hard to get set in that mindset of, like, okay, I could do some real crazy stuff right now, or I could just walk away from this, and, and that's what I chose to do. I've been there, I've been there, but as I've grown, it's like, you know... I'm not where I'm going to be, and I know I'm not in my full potential. I don't want 
someone to just be here for me right now and have me at this point because this ain't where I'm stopping at. So if I'm settling for somebody right here, I don't know if it's going to make it when I get up here. You know, I'm not, I don't know if it's going to make it to the millions and the billions when I'm making and I'm rolling. Like, it, no, I don't want you in this mindset because if you're in this mindset with me, then we, this ain't where I plan on staying. women i mean men just just jump out with the whole crazy term you're crazy you're crazy um when they neglect the fact of what led up to a person being crazy but in this film i don't think it was just yeah. them calling her crazy she actually did have a mental illness you know so not to mention with all of the trauma that she experienced and all the things that she was willing to put on a back burner for him that just conjured up the obsession and believing you know she women have the power to not even just women men everybody have the power to make up stories in their heads and you can continue to basically act off those stories and jump off a cliff with your assumptions or you can kind of lay out the rationale of like okay let me see it from this way let me see it from that but she was unable to do that so she obsessed over the woman she obsessed over their relationship instead of thinking like damn like you all said I actually have the money to start my life over. But because she was in this place of being stuck and not having any ambition to move forward or afraid to see what's out there is sabotaging her own happiness, I think that that kind of like has on everything. So being that she has no more rationale to stop herself of being completely um, just destructive, she was able to just go to that dark place and stay there. You know, to the point of this turn where she was willing to kill I believe that, if anything, she was able to kill herself over that. And then we never saw how she actually got on the boat, you know, you know, at all, you know. And then when she got there, you know, she was asking him to make his wife and newborn jump off a boat, you know, so he can be with her. And... she had an axe proceeding to chop him up and even in those moments he still had empathy for her he still looked yeah at her because he tried to reach for her when she, yeah even after she like um yeah she chopped back off he tried to reach for her before she got all the way in the water if he didn't see he did a little jump yeah but then he has too much yeah. empathy because his leg was cut like she literally
they're going to be on the same forefront of where Taraji was. It's not as, like, maybe not as crazy, but it's going to be that when she came in the room being seductive, thinking, like, oh, I can just do this to get you back in my good graces, but at the same time, you asked me yes. for the divorce. I didn't want the divorce. Yes. <laughs> and it, I think as a dreamer, True. that happens all too common. Get a real job. This is not going to pay the bills until it actually happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, um, it's a quote I wanted to read you guys. I was reading this book. It's called Cheaters by Eric Jerome. But um, in the end, it says, well, the way I see it, every person I meet might not be the one, just the one I learn from while I wait to meet the one. On an emotional level, you've raised my standards a hell of a lot. Like, and that's like something to really think about. Like, you know, it might not be a person, but maybe that person is meant to raise your standards and to you know, show you maybe what you don't want or maybe what you don't deserve. And so then now, okay, I know what I want. I know I don't want this. That's who my, yes, my best friend literally said the same thing last night. I was on the phone with him. He said, you know, well, all this experience that you're having with men, he's like, you don't know what you want and what you don't want. And so when the, when a man comes up to you, you're already going to say, are you X, Y, and Z? And if not, get out of my way because X, Y, and Z is what I want. Because I've had yeah. time to experience in things that uh, with other people so that I know okay this is what I like in a man this is what I don't like in a man alright cool so when I do meet him I'm gonna be like listen it's, are you X, Y, and Z that's what I like and that's totally where I am like I'm not even I'm not interested in dating and, and when I have it was just like I feel like my demeanor and who I am, I'm a strong woman, I'm very determined, and I'm going to be honest with you up front, and a lot of times people can't handle that, especially men, because if you're not, if you're not, you're not on this, I don't have a checklist, but it's just certain things that I've experienced in my life that I know I don't want to be a company of, and I don't want to waste my time being there, so sometimes I can get the label of being, you know, um, abrasive, or, you know, uh, rude, or even just like... You know, blunt as hell because I'm gonna be that way because I'm company of. And if I'm gonna waste my time with you, it's gonna be something that I like to do. I'm not gonna just be giving myself to you just because you know there's means I can get a toy, I can do all of that stuff. I'm not gonna be sitting here let you tell me lies because well that's one thing I can't do. I, I only want from you what I can give. You know what you can give me back and what I can give out or whatever basically. So right now that's when me and Nadine was having that conversation. I was saying that I have nothing to offer no one right now because right now where I I am personally I feel like I have a couple of things that I want to accomplish first so I can get to that point where I can come to somebody and I won't have to feel insecure about what I lack because this is what their preference is you know they have a preference and I'm trying to meet that quota and if I don't meet that quota I'm less than in their eyes and I don't want to be that woman I've been there before so for me I'm trying to seek I'm not going to say happiness I'm going to try to I'm trying to that, that I feel is accomplishment for me. And myself. Yeah, like, and, and yes. I then maybe I can fool Allah and waste my time with somebody who I know is not going to be with me 10 months from now, but I don't feel, a, I don't feel accomplished <laughs> and waste my time with you. Yes, The book, I said the book, but the movie also mentioned that um, she said the thought of you was better than the reality of you. And so I think that's another thing I want to say before we close off is the fact that sometimes 
um, I mean, we're dreamers. All of us are dreamers. And so, especially with girls, you know, since we were younger, you know, some of us played with baby dolls, blah, blah, blah. And so we're always imagining, like, a future with somebody. And so the future with somebody always looks good. Like, oh, my gosh, that we could do this, we could do that, we could do this, we could do that. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I have the whole relationship all planned out, but it's better than the reality of what thing is. And so I think as women, we need to start looking like how men are looking because they're looking at the reality of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. And I'm over here, like, dreaming. So I need to look at the reality, get myself in the mindset of looking at the reality of what this is versus what it could be. Because we're always falling in love with potential. I know I am. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, girl, yeah. you might be nothing now, but it's so true. Uh, women just fall in love with the potential of a man. You know, you see a lot of yes. potential in them that they may not see in themselves, but, you know, like like you said, they view you within the reality of who you are right now. Like, your quality, what you have right yes. now. Yes, they do. They do. So. Exactly. I had a man tell me that he was like, you act off of your, he's like, you're an emotional thinker. I'm a logical thinker, and that's the difference between us. And it hurt a little bit because I was like, yeah, I am, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, that's that's literally how men are. You know, they think more logically, not to say it's correct, but they think A, B, C, and women, we're like, okay, if we get to A, and then no matter what happens at the end, we're going to get Z, you know? Yeah. Then one A, then one B, then we move on to two. I've heard it all. I've heard that I'm controlling. I've heard that I'm communicating. Really, this is a really good um, podcast 
it was definitely healing in a sense. Um, I mean, I, I definitely feel like, you know, a lot of women should listen to this podcast because it definitely a lot of women and men because we didn't just cover one or we weren't really biased. We got to, an opportunity to look at things from both perspectives. So, um, this was really like, good. Was that thing. guy, like, yeah, that's one thing. Like, you know, like, I think so many times, like, just because it isn't working out, you know, we try and make him out to be the bad guy. But it's not, I mean, you're not the bad guy. It's just not the right guy for me. Yeah, what it came down to. Yeah, and I yeah. and I challenge like, cause like I said, when I was looking like doing an overview of the movie and things like that, a lot of women loved it, men hated it, and I challenge men to kind of like, I feel like they they're stuck in a mindset of like Tyler Perry's always depicting black men as these very inhumane people, like they're always them cheating or they're abusing or they're on drugs and things like that actually pushes away and I just challenge men to be more open minded to how women feel. And yes, I do believe that yeah. he pays off, you know, his audience, which is mainly women. So he do cater to that, yeah. but I don't well, think this women. movie was that. <laughs> I don't think yeah. this movie was that No, it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. It wasn't it definitely wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. I challenge so. more men to like kinda like be open minded to the different narrative of how things are instead of just being one-track minded or like oh he's just trying to make us be the bad guy like because honestly robert wasn't a bad guy he was just sorry as hell so that was a very intricate episode of dear 20 something i am so grateful for my guests Rosemond and Nadine for explaining their viewpoints of the movie as well as taking a personal approach and expressing dialogue that was very hard but yet very relevant as women as well as men and if not generational as far as like genre wise to be very unbiased to the events that happen and that occur within a relationship as as far as communication as well as how miscommunication can play a very uh, detrimental role in relationships and how we view things. Because as always, there's always three sides to the story. There's your side, that's the other person's side, and then there's the truth. And just because, you know, you view something as just doesn't mean that the other person involved in that situation views the same as you. It doesn't make your point any less valid or any less accurate. It just seems as though you guys have experienced or saw things just at a completely different point. So I thank you guys for listening to Dear 20-something. This is your girl, Itty Bitty J. And we have just did a review of the movie, Akimone by Tyler Perry. You guys should definitely take a view of it. Uh, watch the movie if you have not already. And apply it to personal lives and like how you view relationships. Thank you. It's your girl, Itty Bitty J. <laughs>
angry or uh, foster into resentment, animosity, hostility, and ill feelings. And we dive really deep into it. So we're going to continue the conversation as far as like our interpretations and how it relates to the angry black women narrative as well as how we personalize it into our own personal events. So stay tuned, you guys. Thank you for listening to Dear 20-something. My guests are Nadine and Rosemond, and they have very interesting perspectives on what happened within the movie. Was encouraged and was always able to move forward and move on. He was courageous, and I believe Melinda was more in the scared nature to go after the unknown because she was so familiar with what she had. She was willing to do that where he was more able to move forward and the woman helped him realize you know and that's because he had like perspective like he had something he was aiming for and that's so important like when you have something a goal something you're aiming for it doesn't matter how many hurdles you got to jump over if that's gonna get you where you need to be you're gonna keep you know seeing that that's gonna be your only focus that's gonna drive you every day and she didn't have that melinda didn't all she had was robert's hopes and dreams yeah. So even though that wasn't her vision, you know, so of course every day she wakes up, she's looking at him angry, mad because you don't promise me these dreams. I'm depending on these dreams, and they ain't come yet, you know. Yeah. She just got stuck in his world, and and she, that's yeah. all she knew, you know. That's that's all she knew, and I think it's really valuable for people to kind of explore other people and other options upon their growth because. You don't know what you like if you only had one thing, you know, and it, and it's so common to just get used to what is familiar. Like, I feel like a lot of women, even men, be in abusive uh, relationships, whether they be emotional, physical, um, whatever, they get so used because they're so afraid or feel like, you know, there's some, you know, it can't get no worse than this, or I don't want to invest any more time in somebody who's going to do me even you know, worse than what I'm dealing with now. So I think I can just be yeah. there a little bit while longer or whatever, which is never the case. Like you said, Robert was more of a free-spirited person. He had goals, he had ambitions. And as a dreamer, you know, you are willing to hear so many no's before you, just, you know, before you hear a yes. So you're able to look for the, uh, I guess, the longevity and everything versus the right now. So I think that was the difference too. What, what was your take on, like, after he became... Um, the man rose and how that all played out well he when he became the man I felt like um, well the amount of money that he offered her back like he he was like you said I guess generous when they said that in the movie he was generous with the offer that he gave her but I think it was so biased I guess in the sense that when he ended up being with the other woman from Taraji's perspective the fact that I gave you everything, and then now everything that you promised me, you're literally giving to somebody else. Like everything that I gave to you, you're giving to somebody else, and everything that. But you gave to Rodney, and I wanted to go buy her own boat, baby. No, that's why I was like, "What you doing?" I know. He, he was generous, more than generous. Like, he could have, at that moment, you know, spent her life over on her new man, mm-hmm. you know, start a new going back to school, like her college degree. Um, he could have taken that opportunity to just focus on herself and not be so dwelled <laughs> on him because she started to become so obsessed with him afterwards. Like, you yeah. see her in the room, she, was, she closed herself off in the room to just... Um, basically, like, watch them on social media and make, you know, whatever fuck accounts to make send threats 
their way to the wife. Um, and she just started becoming so obsessed with it, but I could see both sides. I see how she could have turned her life around and just focus on herself, but I also see the obsession that is so easily, so easily on that obsession. Like, so, I personally had the, I guess, had a little taste of it these past few months where I stopped talking to somebody and all of a sudden, like even till last night, I was kind of in tears because I'm seeing that literally the date ideas that I had, he's doing with her photo shoots, he's doing with her. And it's like, where did this girl come from when the whole time you were with me, it was a struggle, but now you're with her and mm-hmm. it's all on the media and it's all everything that you want it to be. And so I told myself, okay, blocking him um, like through phone wasn't enough, so I had to block him on social media now so that I won't yeah. be able to, but because I don't want to be in that negative headspace. I don't want to be in that, I don't want to be obsessed. And just being able to go back and watch this movie, um, definitely just gave me life to be honest because I was able to see all these different perspectives and then see that I could be I can choose to be free of this I don't have to choose to be obsessed I don't have to choose to fall into this this negative emotion or even like falling into depression because of that um and so I see different perspectives in that like the judge the judge said he didn't have to give her anything. That's what the judge said, and I was like, "Cause That's she didn't, crazy. she didn't have, he didn't have anything." Technically, yeah, and she um, didn't. There was no prenup. No, that's right because you know he was very generous. Even after everything happened, their divorce and everything, he went back and gave her ten million dollars plus the house, her mother's house back, and you know. Even before he was able to get a word out of his mouth, she was already saying, what, did somebody give you this suit to clean yourself up so you can please me? We're never getting back together. You know, what? what is this? You know, she was already standoffish, not knowing that this man was actually here to just say, here, this is what I owed you. I thank you for all the, the years that you invested in my dream. And, you know, here's your mother's house. From that point on, she became angry at her sisters for listening to them. And let's, let's think about that. You have to be careful, you know, who you take advice from most of the time. Because look at their situation. Their men were in no position, you know, for her to judge Robert in. You know, their men, you know, and for before they were married, they was all living in that same house. So what? And then, did the mother not leave them any money? Because it was... <laughs> no, she did. Yeah. She left all of their money. It doesn't work that way. So I think it... They went and started a business with their money. Oh, they went and started a like, business uh, with they, it. Yeah. They was looking struggling yeah. while she was over here living lavish and spending thousand dollars on somebody's So but yeah, so you know, more or less, you know, he gave her, out of, you know, out of the love and care, you know, apologize for her, you know, having to spend her life just for him to get his dream off the ground. But, you know, I don't, I went, you know, at first when I was watching, I was just like, you know what, no amount of money in this world can give me my time back. You know, I spent all this time and now here I am, a middle-aged woman, you know, with barely, you know, I don't have a college degree. I've just been a working woman, an office uh, assistant for all these years, invested in you. Now I don't even know how to date because you're the only man I've ever been with. So I'm angry, I'm bitter, which she has a right to be. But 
I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, and I would say too, you know, from her point of view, you gave this woman everything that was mine. You know, everything that you, everything that I believed in you for, you gave it to her. And I would be angry too. And at first when I was watching this and I was talking to my dad about it, I was like, uh-uh, you know, no no amount of money, I would do the same thing that she did. He was like, you know, you crazy, you're going to kill somebody. But looking back at this, you know, I don't, I don't believe, you know, Think about this. He was describing to the life that he and she was going to live together. But mainly, this was his dream. So he was living out his dream. It just yeah. so happened that this woman, that woman was his spouse, you know. So he didn't give her everything that he promised yeah. to Raji. He was living his dream that he always dreamed for himself. She just happened to be the person to share it with him. So I just think that you have to think about that perspective, too. Because that's a heavy statement right there, too. That's, I know. That's, that's a heavy right statement. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, when you live in somebody else's dream? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was it's his dream, you know, and he li- he's he's living everything that he described to her. Because I'm pretty sure before before he even met Melinda, when they took that stroll on the park, he pointed to the place that he always wanted to live in, and that he knew. Yeah, huh? he knew exactly. So I think she became like you were saying, Rose just kind of seeing it and just seeing it from her, like, I wasted my whole life, you know, just because I believed in you. And now that, you know, listening to some people who wasn't even happy in their own situation, I put my happiness, you know, to the side because I believed that you was this trifling-ass man, you know, despite everything that I had to do because you wasn't doing nothing for me. But here is the same woman who I caught you with 20 years ago, and honestly, I have to take a moment. Exactly. Do you think... Exactly. That she would have reacted that way had it been a different woman. Because I believe that. Her I think so. I think she. I believe her assumption came from this whole time you might have been cheating on me. Because how is it, you know? Because she was just like, because he was like, I just had coffee with her. He was just like the same woman that I caught you with. You tell him you just had coffee with her, you know? So she could have been believing the whole twenty years they had something going on behind her back. Yeah. yeah. That, do you think or that she being in that mental reaction? state? I think, I think, well, maybe she not had, she had the million, she could have bought everything she wanted. Yeah, yeah, but I just yeah. think, when she, I think her, that, that's probably her the most. I, that's what I'm saying, for, because as a woman thinking logically, just on the woman's side, you know, you know, people, people get cheated on all the time, and they're able to pick up the pieces or stay in that situation. I think it was a dumb deal. Because it was the same woman. When they, when she realized it was that same woman, she was like, no, I'm done. She didn't even give him a chance to explain himself. After that, I don't want to hear it, I'm done. Because at that point, everything that we've been through, and this same woman who caused us trouble and pain in the past, is the, the reoccurring 20 years later, and you put my whole family business on the line for her, I, I don't know if she would have reacted the same had it been a different woman. Yeah, because I don't think she went as extreme. She was a bitch over, yeah. you know? So I believe yeah. she would have continued to be with him. You know, if it was just a whole, if it was just a cheating situation, she would have stayed with him. I, I believe that. I do. I think so. But, yeah, yeah it's the same. Yeah. The fact that it was the same woman, yeah, it definitely played a huge role. The fact that it was the same woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I think, and I think how easy it is to get in that mindset. Like, I could see how easy it is. That's why I'm like, uh... I'm seeing it from our perspective. I can see how easy you know, it is to move on and how easy it is to freaking be stuck. Yeah. I had found myself the other day, like, um, like adding this girl because, like, I had known she had dealings with the dude that, you know, I was seeing. So I'm just like, 
what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I can't be this. Like, I just, and I ended up, like, I added her, and I was like, nah. Because I knew they were talking. I'm like, they're still probably talking. You know, and it's hard to get set in that mindset of, like, okay, I could do some real crazy stuff right now, or I could just walk away from this. And, and that's what I chose to do. I've been there. I've been there, but as I've grown, it's like, you know.
or you can kind of lay out the rationale of like, okay, let me see it from this way, let me see it from that. But she was unable to do that. So she obsessed over the woman. She obsessed over their relationship. Instead of thinking like, damn, like you all said, I actually have the money to start my life over. But because she was in this place of being stuck and not having any ambition to move forward or afraid to see what's out there is sabotaging her own happiness, I think that that kind of like has on everything. So being that she has no more rationale to stop herself of being completely um, just destructive, she was able to just go to that dark place and stay there. You know, to the point of turn where she was willing to kill her. I believe that, if anything, she was able to kill herself over that. And then we never saw how she actually got on the boat, you know, you know, at all, you know. And then when she got there, you know, she was asking him to make his wife and newborn jump off a boat, you know, so he can be with her. And... she had an axe proceeding to chop him up and even in those moments he still had empathy for her he still looked yeah at her because he tried to reach for her when she, yeah even after she like um yeah uh, chopped off he tried to reach for her before she got all the way in the water if he didn't see he did a little jump yeah but then he yeah, has too he much because yeah. his yeah. leg was cut like she literally So that I know, okay, this is what I like in a man, this is what I don't like in a man. 
All right, cool. So when I do meet him, I'm be like, listen, are you X, Y, and Z? That's what I like. Then move out. And, and that's Bye. totally where I am. Like, I'm not even, I'm not interested in dating. And, and when I have, it was just like, I feel like my demeanor and who I am, I'm a strong woman. I, I'm very determined. And I'm going to be honest with you up front. And a lot of times people can't handle that, especially men. Because if you're not, if you're not, you're not on this, I don't have a checklist, but it's just certain things that I've experienced in my life that I know I don't want to be a company of. And I don't want to waste my time being there. So sometimes I can get the label of being, you know, um, abrasive or you know uh rude or even just like you know blunt as hell because i'm gonna be that way because i love and if i'm gonna waste my time with you it's gonna be something that i like to do i'm not gonna just be giving myself to you just because you know there's means i can get a toy i can do all of that stuff i'm not gonna be sitting here let you tell me lies because well that's one thing i can't do i, I only want from you what i can give you know, what you can give me back and what I can give out or whatever, basically. So, right now, that's when we, me and Nadine was having that conversation. I was saying that I have nothing to offer no one right now because right now where I am personally, I feel like I have a couple of things that I want to accomplish first so I can get to that point where I can come to somebody and I won't have to feel insecure about what I lack because this is what this person is, you know? They have a preference, and I'm trying to meet that quota. And if I don't meet that quota, I'm less than in their eyes. And I don't want to be that woman. I've been there before. So for me, I'm trying to seek, I'm not going to say happiness. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to seek that that I feel is accomplishment for me. And myself. Yeah, like, and, and yes. I go then maybe I can fool Allah and waste my time with somebody who I know is not going to be with me 10 months from now. But I don't feel, a, I don't feel accomplished to waste my time with you. Yes, the book, I said the book, but the movie also mentioned that um, she said the thought of you was better than the reality of you. And so I think that's another thing I want to say before we close off is the fact that sometimes, um, I mean, we're dreamers, all of us are dreamers. And so, especially with girls, you know, since we were younger, you know, some of us played with baby dolls, blah, blah, blah. And so we're always imagining like a future with somebody. And so their future with somebody always looks good. Like, oh my gosh, that we could do this, we could do that, we could do this, we could do that. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I have the whole relationship all planned out, but it's better than the reality of what thing is. And so I think as women, we need to start looking like how men are looking because they're looking at the reality of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. And I'm over okay, here, like, too. dreaming. So I need to look at the reality, get myself in a mindset of looking at the reality of what this is versus what it could be. Because we're always falling in love with potential. I know I am. I'm like, oh, oh, God. You might be nothing now, but it's so true. Uh, women just fall in love with the potential of a man. You know, you see a lot of yes. potential in them that they may not see in themselves, but, you know, like like you said, they view you within the reality of who you are right now. Like, your quality is what you have right yes. now. Yes, yes, they do. They do. So. Exactly. I had a man tell me that he was like, you act off of your, he's like, you're an emotional thinker. I'm a logical thinker, and that's the difference between us. And it hurt a little bit because I was like, yeah, I am, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, that's, that's literally how men are. You know, they think more logically, not yeah. to say it's correct, but they think A, B, C, and women, we're like, okay, if we get to A, and then no matter what happens at the end, we're going to get Z, you know? Yeah. But, I'm 
like, dude, I just wasn't talking to you, okay? So, episode of 
Dear 20-something, I am so grateful for my guests, Rosemond and Nadine, for explaining their viewpoints of the movie, as well as taking a personal approach and expressing dialogue that was very hard, but yet very relevant as women as well as men, and if not generational, as far as like genre-wise, to be very unbiased to the events that happen and that occur within a relationship as, as far as communication, as well as how miscommunication can play a very uh, detrimental role in relationships and how we view things. Because as always, there's always three sides to the story. There's your side, that's the other person's side, and then there's the truth. And just because, you know, you view something as just doesn't mean that the other person involved in that situation views the same as you. It doesn't make your point any less valid or any less accurate. It just seems as though you guys have experienced or saw things just at a completely different point. So I thank you guys for listening to Dear 20-something. This is your girl, Itty Bitty J. And we have just did a review of the movie, Acrimony by Tyler Perry. You guys should definitely take a view of it. Uh, watch the movie if you have not already. And apply it to personal lives and like how you view relationships. Thank you. It's your girl, Itty Bitty J.